What would y'all have on your rider uh, for bookings? Oh my god! Strawberry flavored lube. Strawberry flavored lube. Yeah, I, I can see that becoming a very helpful snack, very healthy snack for yeah. you, mom. Is it legal to ask for an eight ball in your rider? <laughs> Just like I want three lines ready for me when I hit that dressing room, bitch. Like, oh, eight ball. I thought you meant like a magic eight ball. No, bitch. I'm talking about like an eight ball of, of like hay. I thought you just missed Rita. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Flapping and Fawning. Hey, when did Kermit go trans? Flapjack! Go piss, girl. Fawn. <laughs> and I'm Philadelphia-based drag queen, and the reason that Kermit went trans, Avery Goodname. Hey! <laughs> Avery Goodname, welcome! Oh, hi! Hello. Can you remind our listeners your pronouns and a little bit about yourself? Well, yes. Uh, I am Avery Goodname, the self-diagnosed loser of season five of Camp Want to Kiki. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, in drag, she, he, out of drag, because I'm different. Um, <laughs> and third thing that you asked me that I remember. Well, it was about your plugs. Oh, my plugs. Well, I have two in right now. Um, oh, my God. That's, yeah. ta- that's goals, Baby, honestly. I, the devil works hard, but my hole works harder, honey. <laughs> um, no, so I have some... If you are in the Philadelphia area, I have some fun shows coming up. Most notably, I have a very important show coming up in the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So you, if you live in or nearby Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I am doing a fundraiser show called Bad Bitches Bounce Back. It is a fundraiser for my darling friend, Shakita Carr Prime, uh, who has been struggling with homelessness for the past four to six weeks. Mm. Uh, has a GoFundMe up, which I will send to y'all so that you can put it in the description of the episode. Yeah, totally check uh, there. But 100% of the proceeds from this fundraiser, including tips uh, and some raffle items, we are selling some uh, custom-made wigs, uh, some stickers Ooh. and posters from Beyonce's Renaissance Tour, third thing um <laughs> all of the proceeds from the raffle items and the tips and the door sales will go directly to shakita's housing fund so that we can get her out of a hotel and into a house um Aww. so she can come back and twirl because she does the meanest rendition of and i am telling you i have ever seen in my life girl muffy found dead like it's crazy <laughs> oh. <laughs> Did I say that? Ooh, I, don't, I, I don't know if our, our listeners understand the context of oh, that but we'll, we'll get into that <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, well, I'm so glad to hear that y'all are doing that for a member of your community. You know, that's that's a very important thing to, to be able to do. So everyone, please, like, uh, find that link in the description of this episode. Send over some money if you got it. Um, Philadelphia-based listeners, please go to this Philadelphia-based show. Yeah. And, you know, while we're at plugs, why don't we go ahead and jump into ours, Fawn? Ooh. Alrighty, on the second Wednesday of every month at 7.30 p.m., at drag, we have Drag Bingo at Highway or Bruin. Oh, 69. That is the second Wednesday of every month. That will be... I don't know what day that's going to be. Oh, you will have just missed it. We just it missed it. But come to next month. month. We'll so still be there. come around for September. On the day of this episode being released, that is Thursday, August 10th at... Well... Uh, on Thursday, August 10th, catch me over at Owls on 7th for the Camp Wanakiki Season 5 finale viewing party. There will be lots of giveaways. Blow and poppers. And we'll get to find out our winner of the uh, show. And that's going to feature Reese Eve Cox, who will be joining me as my co-host for that day. And I'm not going to say exactly who I want to win, but I'm just going to give a little bit of a hint. 
It's chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope they can win so that they can humble brag like Tara. I work full time in drag and I never have time to do my chores. <laughs> Y'all are so dark sided for that sound bite. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's, it was Shanid's idea, honestly. Oh my God. <laughs> And Fall. then on Saturday, August 26th, is Kara's Drag Brunch All-Stars at the Stardome. Showtime at 12 o'clock. Seating starts at 11. You can get your tickets at stardome.com. And you can't have a drag brunch without flapjacks, of course. So on Sunday, August 27th, you can catch me over at High Wire Brewing for the Central Alabama Pride Drag Brunch for the month. Uh, also, in January, we will have the Miss Magic City Comedy Queen prelim right here at Birmingham Festival Theater. Uh, the entry fee for that, has all of the, the packet has been announced, so our entry fee is currently $100. That's the early bird entry fee. It does go up as we get closer to the date, so sign up early to save some money. And you can go ahead and buy your tictets because those tickets are on sale now at theftonline.org. Oh mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we are prepared in advance, baby. And we've already sold two tickets, So and they were in prime spots in the audience so y'all better rush on over to bftonline.org that's so crazy I'm doing I'm hoping to do Miss Big Adam's Apple (gasps) comedy queen that freelance Um, and that sign up is very different where it's like on August 31st at noon we'll be releasing the sign ups for um, Miss Big Adam's Apple and the first eight people who can successfully send in the email will be the cast. Oh and I was like, God. oh my God, this is too much. Well, I know for ours, I, I, we kind of placed it strategically where it's like the last one before Miss Last Chance. Because when mm. I was going for it, I, I was Miss Last Chance this past year. Um, and it was like, because we had Camp Wanakiki airing, so I didn't want to do it during that. Right. But it was like, the, there was none other than Miss Last Chance. So I thought this would like fill a need for like a January prelim to give people a little bit more time to prepare. Can I ask what so, Miss Last Chance is? Yeah, Miss Last Chance is the very last chance to qualify for the Miss Comedy Queen pageant. Oh. So um, they have it in uh, Largo, Florida. So I made the decision about a week in advance to drive on down and qualify. You drove! Yes, and I won every single category. Oh, you better fi- That's what all those trophies are in the guest room. Oh, yeah. I like to... Um, show off all my trophies and crowns since Humble I lost brag. Camp Wanakiki. Okay. <laughs> no, I walked in and was like, oh, wow. At least they won something. Jesus Christ. She Truly. Doesn't, she doesn't work full time in drag, so the crowns is all she has to humble yeah, brag. And with. laundry. She has a lot of time to do laundry. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, I do nothing, um, honestly. I, I could work more. Um, <laughs> I heard the pain behind your voice. Fawn, do we have any other plugs? Oh, yes. Look at what I'm drinking from. A flapping and fawning mug. Which you can buy the link to our merch at the description in the bio. Doesn't that just sound beautiful? You could sound just like me. You make me feel (laughs) spotty in my ear. (laughs) And last but not least, if you want to hear your very own words from our mouth holes to your ear holes, you can write us a five-star review over at Apple Podcasts or on Facebook. We currently don't have a new one, um, but we've had several Y'all shady bitches. I know. What the hell? Uh, You could even write in a five-star review to tell us how much you hate us, like Hillary did. We love that. (laughs) Should we create a five-star review to to tell you how much she hates you? Because we flopped some of her looks, so she, uh, she, she, you know. (laughs) I don't like when people tell the truth (laughs) on podcasts! Yeah. So she started Colt Wanakiki, which, you know what? I live. Is one of the show ever, truly. (laughs) I love, I actually really enjoy Colt Wanakiki. I'm, I, you know, I know that... Do you want it? Okay, that's enough. Um, <laughs> but no, I I wanted something like that to exist for so long. A show I, where people are hateful. Well, yes, <laughs> but I the, live, the thing is, I live for the hate. The only thing worse than than 
people talking bad about you and it's your ugly people talking bad well, about you. Yeah. It's people not talking about you at all. And listen, <laughs> season four, it was me and Fawn and Wilma Finger do. Um, and you know, and the finger will not do. The, the finger it, doesn't. It, it didn't. The do. finger didn't this time. What no. happened? I mean, she did have a medical scare. This that's true. Well, so did I. So, <laughs> I know. What's her excuse? <laughs> she did appear on Cold uh, Kiki. Cold Kiki, though. Yeah, I saw that. Um, so, anyways, I, I honestly miss uh, Miss Kitty Litter's reviews. She the, did the first episode. And then she gave up. I wish she just. I wish she kept going. Said, Fuck like these faggots. Although she did kind of review the first episode, like it was the morning news, where she was like, "And today at eleven, they played Blow and Poppers, and then for the runway, Rita came dressed as a cheeseburger, and the red team won, and the blue team I lost. Think- but this is the first half of a two-day challenge, and that was the end of the episode. Thank you so much for watching. Video over. <laughs> the thing is, I know that she records it on her phone, so I think she handwrites her notes, yeah. and then just like. Read it, which I, I honestly love. The Rachel Maddow I, of Camp Wanakiki. I want bitch. her back. If she's like, if there's an All Stars, I'd really love to see her. You really want to be on All Stars. You really want All Stars. See, who's your ideal All Stars cast? I really want to know. Oh well, I have a whole spreadsheet dedicated to the five. <laughs> different t- no. uh, honestly, I don't care as long as I hopefully get included in that. Um, I, I think want, you will. I want Diana Fire back. Ooh, do you think she'd do it? I would hope. I think she would. I would. I actually, all, everyone who, all the top three of. Uh, season two, I would love to have back. I love Miss Kitty Litter. I love Coco. I love um, oh, Diana I Fire. Oh yes, Diana. Yes, mm-hmm. I was like, who? I don't remember the first two yeah. seasons of Get What a Kiki Had to Be. So honest. I mean, if we bring could... back all the facial-haired entertainers for one, all oops, stars. all beards, yeah, oops, all beards, well, and mustache, and mustache, Lily, and Bulimian. Oh my God, that's true. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Bulimian. Bulimian was one of our den mothers um, right. in my season. Oh, my God. Right, because they brought back uh, America, Bulimian, and Geneva all to Yes, I us. remember that, yes. And that was awesome. All they got they brought was Clinica. Weed. All y'all got was Clinica. I mean, the season's still young. We don't know. No, I brought was Clinica. <laughs> <laughs> and That's Utica, that one, ep- uh, that one episode. Oh, yeah, that was really fun. That was really good. Um, okay, well, what's been go- this is the point in the, in the episode where we talk about our lives. How have y'all's oh, lives been? God, that's... Uh, pass. Oh. <laughs> Next question. And break. Okay. <laughs> Avery, we're not worried about passing these days. That's so true. Girl, quite a few souls can clock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how has my life been? Um, oh, okay. So let me explain. I've been, I've been making ketamine jokes the past like two episodes. I need to mm. explain why. I'm not just like someone who does ketamine for fun. I also do it for work. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> um, I, uh, when I got eliminated, or when I eliminated myself, when I died on camera on season five of Camp Uh, it was because I was struggling with what at the time was an undiagnosed disability. Um, and I'm very happy to say uh, we filmed in September of 2022, and in January of 2023, I finally got a diagnosis after suffering from that disability for seven and a half years. That's really good to hear. Um, it is called functional neurological disorder. Um, and it is a fairly new uh, disability being studied by nondescript scientists. And there is currently a very flimsy treatment plan that involves some physical therapy and some uh, CBT and some third type of therapy. But uh, my mom, who is actually a, a psychologist, has a coworker who um, was doing research on functional neurological disorder and ketamine therapy. Because ketamine is the only drug that has been proven to reduce symptoms of functional neurological disorder. So am I on ketamine right now during the filming of this podcast? Yes, absolutely. But (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, this comes out after you've crossed state lines. Exactly, so exactly, sad. exactly. Um, <laughs> but no, I've been I've been doing a lot of K. I've been doing a lot of Kundal. Um, but are you K? I'm not K. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it's, I literally, uh, I, I just got back from Seattle. I spent a whole week in Seattle and I had four days uh, at, to be home in Philly. And I spent three of those days kind of accidentally on a bender, like a medical mm. bender, a medically required bender. Um, and I was on K the entire time because we were just like, maybe if we pump her full of enough of it, she'll be able to yeah. walk and she can go home. Um, and baby, she was nothing like that. She was nothing of the sort. Somebody lied to her several times. and told her that she was fly, hot, sexy, and able-bodied. <laughs> um, <laughs> should have put that K back on the rack. No, that's just your drag persona. Okay. <laughs> I'm fly, hot, sexy, and able-bodied. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been, I've been... Kundalina since since filming and I've been very happy um, and sometimes I can also go upstairs about it so oh, that's how I've been fun yeah. I mean kind of I mean I, I hope that I'm glad that you are on the path back sort of the path to recovery and I, I hope that there is something that mm-hmm. comes clear soon to it definitely, have a more long term solution there definitely has been an improvement in my health I think that like sometimes I feel worse but like yeah having a solution and having something that I can use to get me out of episodes has already put me in a much better place than I was during season five. A lot of people were asking if I was going to come back for season six. And I think that my health isn't quite there enough yet for me to come back. I kind of feel like the same thing would happen to me if I went back and filmed season six right now. Season seven, however... Ooh, interest. Y'all better not even bother applying. Because I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to come in and sweep, honey. I imagine too, um, like just having something to help manage would just even just improve your mental health. Oh, too. absolutely. Oh, totally. Well, like, ketamine ke- ke- is also mind. an antidepressant. So, like, oh. yeah, I, in the ketamine therapy, it, it, it is for people with um, physical pain that can't be solved by painkillers, and it's for people with treatment resistant depression. So, like, if you were taking antidepressants and it doesn't work, hi. Um, <laughs> So it's actually a twofold sleigh for me because I'm like it. It helps deal with it helps deal with my depression and my mental health is like the best it's been in a very long time. And also, I can go upstairs. Like it's so cunty that I could like go up a flight of stairs and not be like, and now I need to nap for five years after yeah. doing this Sisyphean task of walking up eight steps. Hmm. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Of course. I, I, like, it was interesting to see. I don't want to jump too far ahead into the interview portion, but you know, it, it, seeing you have to leave was like a really big, a very impactful thing to have happen. Mm. Uh, just for a lot of different reasons, which we'll get into later. Absolutely. But Fawn, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I don't even know what has happened since the last time that we recorded. I know we've been so consistent. Um, it's been ten days since we last recorded. Oh my god! Last Wednesday, what Wait. happened? I had brunch. Mm-hmm. We had yeah, the NBA Expo, which I didn't see. Um, yeah, you've just life, been doing drag. Yeah, like I no time for chores. I don't <laughs> none at all. Life has I just work been full time in life. drag, and I never have time to do my chores. <laughs> I want her on this podcast. So, so I can be like fucking funny. President, like, <laughs> life's been lifing. I'm existing, and we're here. Yeah. I love that show. Um, <laughs> with the new host, girl, yeah. the drama. I got some, I don't know, for me, I got some bad news last night from family, and so I've kind of felt really weird about it, because it's, like, extended family, and, like, for both of the things I'm going to talk about today, there's a lot of details that I, like, just don't really want to talk about on the podcast, but there was, it was one of those situations where, like, a really wonderful thing happened, and then a really terrible thing happened, 
and like I don't really know if I'm gonna have to go see my family. Like what what's gonna happen? So um, that really sucks. So um, if I could please get some, uh, you know, that's a uh, anonymous prayer request. Thank you. Um, but then also, girl, call Kali Michaels. Oh yeah, <laughs> the good Christian woman. Okay, she'll suck my dick too. Uh, <laughs> And, but the other thing... <laughs> no, because Kylie stays in my DMs. <laughs> I'd be messaging back, but like she stays in my DMs. Like. The, uh, but then the other thing is like... I, just another thing, like, I, you know, I see this... And another one. And another thing. I see this need in the community for like another space. And I'm just really trying to make something happen. Like, especially with the Camp Wanakiki viewing parties. Like, I just... I see the people who are there and like this consistent crowd that exists and like the DIY space and they, we just need a safe place to consistently do these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying, I'm trying yeah. and we just, just, things just keep falling through. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much all I can say on that. So that's been really d- just, uh, unfortunate to have happen, but I'm hoping that we'll get some good news soon. Yeah. He's so. had hectic, hectic weeks. Yeah, truly. This is why you also shouldn't go on Camel and Kiki because you can have a normal week and uh, we're, it's we're still in the not even, a normal, well, the, it's still not I, even a normal week. Well, it's still not even a normal week. The thing about Vaughn is um, their, their normal weeks don't become normal because I drag them into it and I'm like, ah! Well, even then, it's like, oh, I'm making this last minute costume. Oh, I'm doing this. Oh, I'm doing that. Mm. Are you are you a seamstress? Yeah. Oh my god. A seamstress. A seamstress. And uh, (laughs) got X. Um, and I do my own hair. Um, Oh my god. But you talking about family reminded me today. I actually had lunch with my parents. Oh. And like back on the fourth, I had told them about my partner. Yeah. Today. They like asked about my partner. Oh my, oh my god, that's so major! We're, like making steps in the right direction. What did they asked. They were like, "Is it pink?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! They were like, "How old is he?" Because we haven't gotten to the non-binary thing about my partner. Because we also haven't even gotten to the non-binary thing about me. Oh lord. Okay. Um, so yeah, but they were like asking, like, what? How old Mark is? What job Mark does? Like. All of this kind of stuff, like what area? The Q and A portion like, of the package. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> asking genuine questions, and it's like more than I've ever gotten. Oh my God, so it was like a nice little like yay. That's so cute. Ugh, I'm jealous of you, bitch. But that's that is great. It's taken fucking like a long time. Twelve years. Well, Fawn, I'm really glad to hear that. It's and taken a, over a decade to get here, but we're hey, here. It's finally here. Um. Okay, well, it was good catching up with y'all. Why don't we take a break and we'll be back with more Avery Good Day. Oh my God. And we are back with the one and only Philly-based drag icon, Avery Good Day. Oh my God, hello. The the only Philadelphia-based drag icon. The only one. <laughs> Lily's saying like we're who? found dead in Miami, honey. <laughs> I, does she do drag anymore? Like, I, don't, I haven't heard anything from we're her. We're gonna take another break. <laughs> <laughs> Although, what she she did? Um, it is it is her birthday, right? At the time of recording. Yes, I believe this weekend is Lily's uh, birthday, oh and she God. looks fantastic for fifty eight. I gotta say, <laughs> oh my God, happy birthday, Lily! It's all the Ranger Danger Dick girl. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Ranger Danger Dick, you were on Camp Wanakiki. <sighs> I surely was. 
Ranger Danger was trying to fuck me too. <gasps> I got, I, this is my tell all. Oh, oh my goodness. god, I'm coming forward. I'm stepping out of the darkness and into the light. <laughs> Ranger Danger did press his hard cock and balls against my back. Okay, oh my god. here's the story. Are you ready for some tea? Here's the story. Is yes. something in the Philly water? Truly, I was like, not every Philadelphia based drag queen's gonna fuck you, Edward. Um, now come here. Now come here. <laughs> but I will. <laughs> um. So, okay, so this is some context. At the time of filming, I was dating this very beautiful uh, trans girl who was teaching me a lot about myself, my gender identity, and my sexuality. And at the time of filming, I identified as a lesbian. I was like, I'm a T for T lesbian. I only like trans girls. I do not care for men of any variety. Uh, and then Rita Tarot said, you're wrong. Uh, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> It was during Sun Like It Hot. It was so this was in between episodes where I was paralyzed and couldn't do the daily camp activity. Mm. So I was feeling it, Mr. Krabs. Um, and I walk into the little mess hall where we are like held before the talent show and I sit down and it was um me, Riley, and Eddie Danger. And Eddie comes up to me and was like, Hey, you you doing okay? You don't look super good. I was like, It's the disability. Um and he was like I was like, My muscles just ache because it's just a disability where my muscles tense up so much that they start shaking. And Eddie was like do you need a back massage? Like I can massage you, your muscles out. And I was mm. like, that sounds fucking amazing. Um, I mean, a back massage from Eddie danger. I, I would mean, say yes. So, cause I was like, you, you know, you fuck like, you know how to give a good massage. And I didn't care about the horny part of it. I just was in pain and needed to be less in pain. So he put his hands on my shoulders and then he pressed his cock into my back and he starts massaging. And I'll never forget this. He goes, let me know if it's too hard. <laughs> <laughs> beat and then he goes well i guess it already is too hard ah! oh my like, god <laughs> what on earth eddie i just wanted a massage <laughs> and now i have to now I, I'm, I'm cosmically aware mm-hmm. of the of the dick cock schlong balls and boober being pressed into like in Your between back. my shoulder blades Wow. The massage was great, though. I would do it again. Um, okay, good. I, ho- I hope fun was had by all. He he felt like he was having a great time. So oh, Okay, <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> was like, I was also in, in my ice cream look. Like, fully in my ice cream oh. look. So I was like, you horny for ice cream? Your dick hard over some melting ice Listen, cream Listen, we do not kink shame here at Flapping and Fawning. I okay? really, yeah, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, um, against your will, we're on Camp Wanakiki. <laughs> so... <laughs> well, yeah. How how do you feel your life has changed since being on the show? Um, it's been very interesting because I feel like a few different things have happened. Um, I will say, starting Camp Wanakiki, I kind of knew that like Camp was kind of the perfect show for me because it felt low stakes enough that mm. it was accessible to me. Drag Race, I knew that my entire storyline would be about my disability. And I, I didn't Fair. want my disability to be a factor at all if I were to compete on television. Um, whoops. But, <laughs> and then like Dracula, I'm not only do I just not have the aesthetic for Dracula, but also like the exterminations are just not like the structure of the show just isn't very accessible. So I was like, camp feels low stakes. It feels accessible and it feels like my drag is the most catered towards this program. And I feel like I would gain the most out of accessing that audience from that program. Because at the time when camp was still on YouTube, it had like 30,000 views every single episode. Yeah. So I was like, there's an audience here. And like, I want to be able to expand myself and, and, you know, 
um, show myself to this audience. And since the show, I have kind of blown up on social media. Totally. A lot. Um, my Instagram, like, I've, like, doubled my following on Instagram since the show got announced. Um, I was, like, at, like, 2,700 followers when the cast got announced, and now I'm, like, at 4,300, which is crazy. Yeah. I've gone viral on Twitter quite a few times. The dress dress absolutely went fucking feral on Twitter. And I've gotten to travel the country. However, I haven't gotten a lot of bookings in Philadelphia. Mm. Um, in fact, I've gotten two booking offers since the cast reveal in Philadelphia. Um, and I, I don't know what that is, but it's not that Philly doesn't support me. I feel incredibly supported and incredibly like a part of the community and the family of Philly Nightlife. Um, but like, I've just kind of been out of state a lot and I've gotten to meet so many people and everyone in Seattle tried to bully me into moving into Seattle. And then I asked how much the rent was and then they shut up. Um, <laughs> cause I was staying in a studio apartment where the person that lived there was paying like $1,700 a month for Ooh. a studio oh apartment. No. Um, so I was like, I'm gonna stay here. I'm right. gonna stay here cause I paid one K for two rooms actually. Um, there is so much that you, you've said. I want to like yeah. harp on a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah. first of all, the, I remember I, I recently deleted my Twitter account after we became X. So I'm a little sad to be gone from the community, but, thank God for threads. Um, but I remember on Twitter, you had, I remember two looks of yours that really made a splash. One was the dress look. And then the other one was your badass look. I, that one went crazy, it, which is wild. Cause you were saved that episode, I not was. even in the top, which I don't know if I agree with that entirely, <clears throat> but uh, you know, that's not what this go back to the, the review. If you want to hear my thoughts, <laughs> um, but yeah. So like, how has it been to be like one of the only people to ever transcend Camp Wanakiki? Trans. Um, trans! <laughs> Not again. Uh, <laughs> every time I'm trans! <laughs> um, it's been really interesting. I feel like of the cast, I have the biggest social media presence, which is wild because I feel like Muffy was kind of there to be like our Instagram girl. Like mm. she was our girl on Instagram and she came in and she had like at the time of filming, she had like 8,000 followers. Yeah. Um, I think now she has like 7,000. Hold um, on. I, let me, I want to check No, this. crunch the numbers. Because I remember Instagram. during during filming, she had she like 8,000 followers. And she was on like Drag Race wish list. How many does she have? 7,820. <laughs> Whoa. That's interesting. Do you, do you think she went and like unfollowed a bunch of people or something? Because that happens to me if you, when I unfollow people, I'll like lose some every now and then. I don't know, um, <clears throat> but I I remembered like oh Muffy's influence is going to be the reason that our season blows up, mm. and then it ended up being me. Yeah, um, when I was really not expecting that, I was really expecting to kind of I was expecting people to like be rooting for me, and I was expecting Philly to be rooting for me, but I didn't think I was going to find a lot of success outside of my city. And then like the cast reveal dropped, and I had over two thousand likes on my cast reveal photo, and then like. I posted my episode one look and it had like 60,000 views on Twitter, which was like, and I, I just like, didn't even know how to like, I couldn't wrap my mind. I still can't wrap my mind around it. Like, I don't know how I had this much of a social media presence that people like around the country. And apparently some people in Canada, some people were like, please come to Vancouver. Yeah. To Vancouver. Like people really, really, really were like rallying behind me this season. And it felt so cool for me as like a, black trans femme person, a black disabled trans femme person, you don't see those kinds of people getting rooted for on shows like this. So to get the amount of support that I got, it was like, 
it was it, it was so much more than I could have possibly ever anticipated. It was it was very well deserved, and I, I for me th- there were two sort of areas that you really like audiences, especially on Twitter that you uh, that are powerhouses, the mm-hmm. Drag Race audience, and also Black Twitter. Like I feel yeah. like like you they, they, you were really championed by those two communities, mm-hmm. and that allowed it to like. <laughs> Go on. You, do you know what I mean? Although I the, will the, say the motions that you were doing as the giant tatas. Yeah, just you were coincidentally. <laughs> um, although I will say, uh, it's funny you bring up Black Twitter because the first week of Camp Kiki, I was actually in some hot water with Black Twitter. Oh no! Uh, because <laughs> Black Twitter thought I was white. I remember seeing uh, that. And over- I there was a a scandal going around on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube where people thought that I was doing blackface. Like, very boldly. I was like, no, I, I, I just have a black face. Like, I don't know what to say. Um, but people, and it was mostly black people, thought mm. that I was painting dark and that I was a white person doing blackface. And I get it. There is not a long history of people of color being on Camp Kiki, But, like... Look at my arms, y'all. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. what to say. Like, you got to cross-reference the other parts of my body. Um, but, like, I was, in, I was in some heat about a blackface scandal for, like, the first week. And then I had to, like, literally <laughs> post a picture of myself out of drag Hi. in response to one of those tweets. And the, suddenly all the allegations disappeared. Yeah. Because um, I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm like a full-time nigger. It's fine. Like, <laughs> like, like, I work full-time in drag, and I never <laughs> have time to do my chores. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I will say, like, the with the with when I saw that people, especially from the folks I followed, but due to the conversation I had on Twitter about drag race, like, we're, we're resharing and retweeting your, your stuff. Like, I was like, okay, Avery is going to go really far. Yeah. And you've been traveling. I mean, you're here, but also you've, you've been all over the country as a result of this show. Yeah, we. I mean, the whole cast was in um, Kansas City for the preview. We had uh, a few, uh, the majority of the cast out in Los Angeles for DragCon. Uh, Rita's flown me out to Chicago. Uh, Texas has flown me out to Seattle. You've flown me out to Birmingham. Uh, I have bookings in Columbus, Ohio in September. Oh, I'm going to Brooklyn. Like, Texas pointed out that I... I um, I think I'm traveling the most out of our entire cast, which is really crazy because I came in seventh place. But like, it's been traveling has been absolutely amazing, and like, I did not think I was going to get these opportunities from the show. In full transparency, I just I thought that it was going to boost my Philly bookings, yeah. and it did the opposite, <laughs> where I'm getting booked as hell outside of Philly. And I go home in Philly and I chill out and I DJ sometimes. <laughs> like, mm. I will say, I feel like with Camp Wanakiki, the it's rare that it it like opens doors for people in the way that they get to travel and that they, they it increases the bookings in their own hometown. I feel like the kinds of bookings I had changed locally and really it gave me the ability to open doors um, that I didn't have before because it's like here's this thing. It's not Drag Race. It's not Dragula, but it's a thing and mm-hmm. people in town now feel like they have to be aware of it and i feel like there were some communities that were like oh she's a tv girl now and we work with the new ones so we're not going to work with her Very that. and so it's like i had to turn to like clubs where i didn't always feel safe or like my friends didn't feel represented um so that i could you know work work as much yeah. as i wanted to um so i, I think it makes for a very interesting dynamic when you're when you're on this show it's also an interesting conversation because i've heard people reference like the big three when it comes to like drag competitions and like the big three that they're referencing is drag race dragula and camp on kiki not call me mother 
Not Call Me Mother. Mm-hmm. But like, if you were talking about like the big three drag competitions, it's Drag Race, Dragula, and Camp Wanakiki. But like, and that's then, usually people rank them, and they usually rank them in that order. And drag, <laughs> first Drag Race, second Dragula, third Camp Wanakiki, and it's a distant third too. Like, yeah. because the thing is like. There are a lot of people that know what Camp Wanakiki is as a show, but then you're like, oh, you know Camp Wanakiki. Like, what do you like about it? And they're like, I don't watch it. I just know that it's a show <laughs> it's, that it exists. exists. Right. Because um, that's one of the things, like, I watched from season one, like, I had almost put in a tape for season four. I'm glad that I didn't put in a tape for season four because Flap got on. And I got to like sit back and watch mm-hmm. and, and watch and, like, me fail. Well, it just gave it <laughs> gave me fun. as like somebody that was interested in the show, like even more stakes than just somebody that enjoys the show. Mm-hmm. And so like it gave me a new perspective as just a viewer. Yeah. Do you feel like a hometown hero in like Birmingham for like hometown no, hero? Trinity the top. Oh yeah, no. Uh, uh, is she, is she, she's not from. She's yeah, from Birmingham. The same. I thought she was she, from Orlando. That's where she. That's lived. where she claimed on the show. That's where they made her claim. Made her made her claim. Her claim. She, she wanted. Well, isn't that where she was living? Like? She was living in Orlando at the time, but she wanted to claim Birmingham as her hometown because that's where she's from. Right. But they made her say Orlando because that's Gag. where she was living. In response to the question about hometown hero, uh, I. I don't necessarily feel that way. I do feel that I have done things that a lot of people thought weren't possible though in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Cause when I was first starting, a lot of people were like, you can't, you can't make a name for yourself in Birmingham. It's just not possible. And, um, I don't think that's true. That's not true. I, to be honest, I don't even think I'm that talented. I, I think that I have initiative and I'm like, Hey, it's a Tuesday night. We're a Ruby Tuesday. Why isn't there a drag show here? You know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was... Ruby t- <laughs> You know? Why not? Ruby Tuesday There's drag no one show here. when? <laughs> Applebee's. It's Booby Tuesday. Come on. Let's make it happen. What? See? Fly me the fuck out for <laughs> I, Booby I Tuesday, well, I'll be there. It'll be you, me, and Jacqueline. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I, I think that has been the extent of it. Like, I... Yeah. Like, working with Birmingham Festival Theater, I don't think that's a connection I would have had. Yeah. Had had it not been for mm-hmm. Camp Wanakiki, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, and even now, what's what's come of it? Where because um, you also push yourself a lot because of camp. That's true. I feel like there was a certain standard I needed to uphold because I'd only been doing drag. I had not really been on stage. How long have you been doing drag? Uh, three years. Me too. So, uh, my three year anniversary was uh, July 25th. Nice. Mine is the day after Christmas. Aww. My favorite story is always flaps. And mine apparent first interaction at a show. Oh yeah, I was very excited to meet Fawn, who had a who has a dead name, um, yeah. and that's what that was at the time. And Buck, I was yeah. Buck. <laughs> yeah, they downgraded. Um, uh, and I was on cast at a bar that mm-hmm. we don't talk about anymore. Redacted. Yes. Um, and apparently, I said, "Is this your first time?" Yeah, it was like my fourth time being on. Be, like being in drag and oh. I thought I, I had never seen her before I so thought, I asked if it was okay, her first but like time first versus fourth is like you're gonna look pretty I know much I like, thought I looked amazing pussy cunt slay I was like oh they aren't ready for this and she, the, the first thing Fawn said was like so is it your first time <laughs> she, <laughs> she brought this up to me on the pod and I still think my <laughs> drama that I brought up on the pod was more controversial yeah anytime we have drama with each other we have to bring it up resolve it on the pod she didn't follow me until like <laughs> Six months into the podcast. You're fucking joking. Oh, let me actually make sure I follow. <laughs> Wait, I, do I you not follow sure. me? What the hell? I, well, hold on, everyone. Wait, and I'm going to check this right now. We no, fully had a podcast going. 
and she was not following me on Instagram. I don't know how I did that. Anyways. No, I, follow, I follow both of you. It's fine. But it's fine. back to you. Philadelphia-based drag queen, Avery Goodname. Can you tell Hi. us about the Philadelphia scene? It's amazing. Um, I really, 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 really love Philadelphia's drag scene. Um, it is very much passed over, though, and I don't mm. understand it. Because Philadelphia is a major city. Like, people know the city of Philadelphia. Absolutely. It's always sunny there. I, exactly. And, like, I once was talking to someone, I think at DragCon, where they were like, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, I'm from Philadelphia. And they were like, I didn't even know that Philly had a drag scene. Of course we have a drag scene. It's a major yeah. city. Mm-hmm. The problem is, it is, I think some people in Philly have said that the Philly drag scene is too oversaturated which is not the case. I think we have a perfectly fine amount of drag performers. The issue is that we have two drag bars in the major city of Philadelphia. And one of them, we don't even like performing at that much. Oh, that really sounds like Birmingham. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's two like drag bars. And one of them has had controversy after controversy after controversy. And like, it has like a weekly open stage show that was hosted by someone who was really shitty, but is now hosted by someone who's like a very near and dear friend of mine, Delilah Mazzani Cristal. Hello. Ours basically got canceled. Yeah. <sighs> um, but like someone died outside that bar. Like someone was murdered outside that Same. bar by our security staff. Like, and like, it was just scandal after scandal after scandal. And after a while, the predominantly trans nightlife scene, because I would, I can count on one hand, the amount of cis men that I know that do drag in Philadelphia. We're like, That's we don't really feel safe here. So we're going to go to this other bar that is a more cabaret space and lets us do weirder shit and rewards us for doing weirder shit. Um, and Philly's drag scene, I think, feels... It, it's kind of alternative. It's very alternative. <laughs> it's incredibly alternative. Um, but like, it just doesn't feel very appreciated, which is why it was so important to me to say that I was from... from from Philadelphia on every goddamn episode of yeah, Kiki. Like yeah. that's why my catchphrase is Philadelphia based drag queen and random secondary title. Because I'm like, I want everyone to be like, I want to pique people's interest in what Philly's drag scene has to offer and then really dig in because there are some hidden fucking gems. Have y'all ever heard of little piece? Yeah. Uh, yes. I have not. Okay. So my, one of my closest friends in Philly, her name is Little Peace. And she is, I would say one of, if not the most like well-known drag artists from Philadelphia, but people think she's from Chicago um, Mm. because she just has Chicago energy. Um, So she got famous. She did, she um, used to do these things called alleyway videos where she would just get in full drag. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. I know exactly. Uh, Severity. Yes, 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 yes. She would get in full drag and she'd go into her alleyway and she'd have her friends like film her and she would just like freeform improv for like however long she wanted to and she'd just make content. It's and unhinged. One day like, where she got in this like powered by America like um, crop top and this like tinsel skirt and this like red, white, and blue like Colgate wig and she was trying <laughs> to do a Colgate. fake ad the about. Pepsi wig. Um, she was trying to do a fake ad about. Um, you know those like moderate to, to severe plaque psoriasis. Oh, yeah, she was trying to say moderate to severe cunt severity, but she ended up saying moderate to severe cunt severity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and 
The video now has over 100,000 views. It has been quote tweeted by like multiple Rue girls and she got flown out to Chicago and like a, a whole bunch of other places. She's best friends with Miss Mamshi from Brooklyn who is also like a viral mm. uh, drag diva. I and did know that she was uh, from uh, Philadelphia because she has that Frankie Bradley's commercial. Five dollar Friday. Yes. And, and, and I, Frankie it always Bradley's. pops up. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my um, god! Yeah, Frankie Bradley's is the bar that like that's my home bar. Yeah, um, I I do all my viewing parties there, um, and like it. Yeah, I, I love performing at the bar so fucking much. They're so amazing to us. Um, but yeah, Little Piece is like one of. I'm like, if Little Piece and I can pique your interest, you need like you should look further into Philadelphia drag because if you like me on Camp Wanakiki and you stream moderate <laughs> moderate to your cut severity, uh, the MTCS extended remix because someone remixed the video yes. and turned it into a bitch track, and then she she dropped a verse on it with Young Onyx from uh, Young Onyx from Providence, Rhode Island. Holy shit! Nice. Um, it, it's so good. <laughs> um, but if the two of us can pique interest, I'm hoping that like hopefully people will start to invest more and more and more in Philadelphia's yeah. drag scene because like there are some people on there that deserve. We've never had someone from Philadelphia on television ever. Like it's been me and Lily on Camp One Kiki. We've never she had anyone like on. Philly. We've never had anyone on Drag Race. We've never had anyone on Dragula. Like people don't know that Philly has a drag scene. It's I, crazy that's to me. Honestly, like really relatable. I feel like most people don't even really know that Trinity's from Birmingham. Clearly, I uh, yeah, I yeah. Because she said and she so, claimed Orlando, so I thought she was from Florida. And so like, pe- we have Flapjack, and that's it. And there is so much good drag here. Mm-hmm. We, we have Drag Race worthy drag. We had Dragula worthy drag until they all moved. Yeah, they all they um, all went somewhere that could be appreciated. Yeah. Um, well, I'm actually really interested in hearing about like the something you said sounds very different from an experience that I understand. Okay. And um, it, it kind of plays back into the episode we we recorded for earlier this week where you talked about like when you met someone, you wondered why they did drag because they are a cis man yes. or a cis white man. And you, it sounds like Philadelphia's scene is very trans um, dominated. So yes. like that is not the experience I've ever had. Like being in Birmingham, it's almost pretty much all the entertainers I first met that I've worked with for the most part. It's like white cis men. That's yes. so strange but, to me. Uh, however, now it seems a lot more envy focused. There's a lot. That's true. The NBs are taking over okay. slowly and March surely. March of the he-theys, honey. Yes. Right. So it's just like the they-thems are taking over. But it is, when I started, it was very he-him out of drag. Girl. But I, I'm interested to know, like, how do you feel that that has made a, a difference for you? Because there, there are things that, that you, you say that, I, I, like, you and I have talked a little bit about. There's conversations that I see online that haven't really come to Birmingham yet. And I wonder if that is the reason why. Well, then, baby, let's start this conversation. Yeah. Because this is a room full of three fucking trannies, and we can all confidently <laughs> say trans people are inherently going to be better at drag than any cis person ever could be. And the reason why is because I define drag, simply put, as performative gender expression. Drag is performative gender expression. That's it. That's all you have to do. It doesn't matter if it's masculine, feminine, or androgynous, neutral, secret, other thing. It's You have to perform an expression of gender identity. Trans people are very good at that because we feel sometimes that we are performing gender in our Mm -hmm. daily lives. So when it comes time for us to artistically interpret gender expression in a performative manner, we have a very nuanced understanding of gender ideology, gender identity, and gender presentation and can do something. We are not afraid to do something that's stranger because we've kind of already, like the basic like, 
I once was a boy, but now I look like a girl is 101. That is basic like gender ideology 101. So we we gravitate, trans people tend to gravitate to doing weird shit. Mm-hmm. But cis people don't have like haven't had that life experience of grappling with gender identity and gender presentation because when you when you are born a man and you identify as a man, you don't have to think about stuff like that. So then when you start when you get into drag, which is performative gender expression, you are naturally just going to gravitate more towards like, okay, well, I want to feel, I want to feel fat, I want to feel kind, I want to feel pussy. And not to say that there aren't alternative cis entertainers. I think that like, they're, they're like the, literally the most famous drag queen right now. Trixie Mattel is a cis man who does mm-hmm. alternative drag. Um, but like, but we also just had Sasha Colby, who won, who arguably had one of the best runs on Drag Race ever, right? And like, I wouldn't call her drag alternative, but I do think that it is a new, a more nuanced understanding of gender drag. of, of yeah. gender presentation than totally. what any cis man or cis woman who does drag would be able to give, because Sasha has had to Sasha and every other trans person has had to grapple with what gender presentation looks like. That's actually why I paint so big and severe is because I was when I was starting drag, I was like, I don't want to do the like soft standard, what I like to call commercial drag, like mm. the drag that gets featured on Drag Race. Because I if I market myself as this commercial drag queen, every single second that I spend out of drag is just going to feel dysphoric. And I did not want to put myself in a place where I was just going to feel dysphoric mm. every time I wasn't in drag. So I was like, I'm going to do something that is much more nuanced, much more inspired by my childhood, something that like is exci- is fun and exciting and like makes you stop and wonder what a woman looks like. Um and I think that I found so much more joy and success in that and that a lot of Philly entertainers even if they don't paint that way, they behave that way. Like their characters and the way that they perform are very nuanced understandings of gender presentation and that's why i think that philly is such a hidden gem because it can teach people so much about like really really think about why you do drag and really really think about like what what type of femininity or what kind of masculinity or what kind of gender presentation you are performing because like so with Drag King specifically, I think this is why I love Riley's drag so much and also um, Showpony from Brooklyn. Mm. Um, there are, there's a genre of Drag King that presents a nuanced understanding of masculinity that I really appreciate. Because I think that the, there's a lot of weird like discourse around booking Drag Kings and like the absence of Drag Kings in shows. And I think that it's because a lot of Drag Kings choose, for some reason, to perform a very toxic masculinity, a very patriarchal masculinity that lacks nuance or critique. Um, I cannot wait for you to meet Twat. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. Well, yeah, I mean, she met Twat last night, but I mean, as far as like, because Twat is very like nuanced with, yeah. But you see what I, like, yeah. you know what I'm talking about, no, right? Just, like, the drag kings that we, are, like, we see a lot lick of, her pussy. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's a lot out, of like, that. Just, like, in, like, uh, a tank top that they call a wife beater and, like, jeans, and then does the, like, macho, like, toxic, patriarchal man. And I was like, why is this the version of masculinity that you want to present? 
Like, and why like, is this what you want to perform? Right. And it's like one thing if you do it like every once in a while as a one-off, but like, why is this your standard? And why also, why aren't standard? you adding any kind of commentary to it? You're yeah. just performing the masculinity that is disservicing you specifically because most of the people that I see, most of the drag kings that I see performing that are cis women. I was like, you are performing a, a, a version of masculinity that antagonizes your identity out of drag. It doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Um, I, I think that a lot of that, like some of the reason that you, we may not have seen as much diversity in that is just because people so rarely book them, you know? Yeah. And it, when you make space and you like intentionally ha- try to have like a spot for a king, then, um, then that gives them the chance to like have more onstage practice time. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like, cause I know that I would not be at the level I was at if, if, if it was, it's a, it's a lot easier for me to get booked than a drag king, you know? Yes. And so I realized that I was successful with comedy after like my 10th performance with it, you know? So I think that that, you know, it's the same kind of principle. Like you got to book them so mm-hmm. they can experience that. And it's one of those things too, like the more you do drag, the more you evolve your character and grow your character because like Twat didn't always do what Twat does now. Right. So, and even like me, my evolution and my drag journey has changed with my gender journey. Absolutely. Yeah. And so like it takes the time and like giving people the space in order to be able to make that evolution. And some people don't always get the space. Yeah. One other thing I I, I don't want to miss, like you said this really beautiful statement earlier about like that I, it, it, that described drag in a way I'd not really thought of before. And mm-hmm. I think that that goes to show like, exactly you're absolutely right like people who have had to think about um their transness and how that applies to like heteronormity (laughs) uh normativity and things like that like they're they're better at it because they can identify how they're expressing that drag more clearly um so i think that makes a lot of sense um and that's a really special thing that was something that i like had never had the words for but you said it you said it and it was like a light bulb went off Mm -hmm. and i was like no, I understand this like 100%. It's a conversation that we have a lot in Philly just because the scene is so predominantly trans. We're like, drag is the reason we do drag is because it's euphoric. Like, we do drag because it allows us to like access like gender presentation that like we couldn't do in normal life. I couldn't walk around looking like Avery Goodname and go to fucking Whole Foods and get some knockoff like peanut butter patties. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I couldn't do that, but like it allows us to kind of like feel euphoric and vent our frustrations and like process our gender identities in an artistic manner, which gets rewarded and creates conversation. Maybe even not like if it doesn't create conversation in your audience, it creates a conversation within yourself. And I think mm. that that's really important too. Um, which is also why like whenever a cis man does drag, I'm like, defend yourself right the fuck now. Cause I don't know why, the, <laughs> why are you doing this? This is very transgender behavior. <laughs> like, <laughs> Maddie Morphis has explained. Yeah, girl, explain. like, <laughs> America explain. Um, well, we unfortunately are starting to get short on time, but I have to say, this has been a beautiful interview. Um, is there anything that we would be remiss if we didn't get to learn about Avery Goodname in this portion? I'm trying to think. Oh, I would love to talk with you about doing starting drag during the pandemic. 
Oh. Because we both, we were both quarantine queens. Yes, we yeah. were. I, okay, actually, what my, I have beef with Camp Wanakiki. <gasps> On the website, it says that I am the self-proclaimed Miss Quarantine Comedy Queen, and that is not true. You I, just were Miss Quarantine Comedy Queen. I won! I won a pageant. I literally prepared a whole package for it. I lost the first time, and then I won the second time. Okay. So, and I asked them to take it off the website. They won't do it. I'm like, please. It's not that hard. It's a real thing. Here's a link to, with my face, with my crown. So, um, Yeah. But what was your experience like? <laughs> so, I started drag when I was 19 years old. Um, Baby. And it was something that I had known that I wanted to pursue drag since I was 16, but I was like humbly, patiently waiting until I turned 21 because I wasn't going to sneak into bars. Um, and also, I didn't even know where to begin. And during the pandemic, um, this guy that I was talking to, we were both like, we both really love drag. We both want to do drag. We don't have anything else going on. The pandemic just started. Let's hop on Zoom and do makeup together every day. And like every mm. other day, we would get on Zoom and we would paint our faces together. And like we were both really figuring out like what our aesthetics were, like what our influences were. And uh, during that time, my uh, this drag entertainer that I had been looking up to in Philadelphia, the first drag entertainer that I ever saw perform live, uh, their name is Eric Jaffe. Um, yes, yes, I know Eric. I I just did a musical that they wrote, produced, and directed literally weeks before the pandemic started. So I had that relationship with them. Was this the one in the in the museum? No, no, no. That was afterwards. Oh, that's um, right. That was post campaign. Yeah. So it was it was called The Lizard of Oz, and it was a parody Slide. of Wicked, The Wizard of Oz, and The Wiz. Um, I played the tin non-binary person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was really, really good. Um, and that was how I met Eric, who was like my idol like truly like my because I, I was studying theater production at the time uh, with like a focus in playwriting and Eric is a playwright that does drag and I was like wow you do the two things that I really want to do professionally and like I look up to you so much and um Eric was like hey my friend Vincel is doing this black girl magic digital diva showdown for like up and coming black entertainers and I know that you've been getting into drag you are doing this competition and I was like I've never performed in drag before, but sure, I'll, I'll send in something. I'll send in this shitty picture of me in my living room with like a foam roller wig on. And I got cast in the thing. And I was like, Eric, I got cast in this. Um, I need help. Um, and Eric took me shopping to Joanne's Fabric and bought me like two to $300 worth of fabric. And Whoa. I was like, are you my drag mom? And Eric was like, yes, I am. What a um, good drag mom. I have not done that for Whoa, Whoa, and Green. Sorry, baby. <laughs> but I, I did that competition and I ended up winning that competition, which got me a six-month contract to perform at Black Girl Magic. Um, six months? Yeah. I like, wow. I, I was going to be assured in the cast of the next six Black Girl Magic shows. Was that afterwards. digital or in person? Some of them were digital, and then they took a break uh, when you know rules of the pandemic started easing up, and they were allowed to do in-person shows. And then the last, I think... I, the first two were digital, the last four were in person, and I got to perform with the Vixen and Coco wow. Kane, um, which is where I got the big titties. I got the bigger titties from Coco. Um, oh, shit. I literally was like, hey, girl, I, I'm looking for an upgrade. Where'd you get your, your <laughs> breastplate? And she, like, sent me the link. Um, but, yeah, like, growing up, during, like, coming into my own during quarantine, especially, like, being super young, it was just like a very formative experience because like I didn't have, I wasn't old enough to go and see drag shows in person. So starting off, I didn't have any idea of what a drag performance looks like. Yeah. I think that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me 
because I was like, well, I'm just gonna treat this like I'm writing little mini musicals because that I'm studying play and musical writing anyway. So I'm just gonna like write little mini plays and like throw the yeah. Songs. I think it really forces you to like think of creative and engaging ways to have long numbers. And I feel like the people who start in the pandemic are better at having engaging numbers the whole way through a, a number because you're like, I need to make content that's not going to be boring for this digital no, show. Exactly. So people actually watch me. Um, so I, I mean, my husband and I were, I mean, boyfriend at the time were, you know, building like construction paper airplanes and stuff. I was dressing up like Amelia Earhart. I was happy <laughs> from the start. And uh, yeah. So for me, I, I started when I was, I think 24. No, I'm 27 now. Uh, I think I was 23 or 24. 24. Must have been 24. And I had four months of in-person drag, and then the pandemic hit. Um, but what, what, where I learned about myself, like I said the thing earlier about I don't think I'm that talented. I just think I have a lot of initiative. Like with, I started when I realized I, I want to do drag, but everything's just closed or not booking me. Like I was like, I'm just going to start my own digital show. And I started something called Flapjack's Flavor of the Month, which was an online open stage because yes. we couldn't do open stages anymore. Um, so I was like reaching out to uh, up and coming entertainers. We had online voting systems and stuff like that. And I had a different theme each month to try to push myself like, okay, I'm going to have one new number each month that I have digitally, and I personally really loved digitally dra- digital drag. Me too. Because once, I want digital drag to come back. I know, come back, pandemic. <laughs> but, well, <laughs> no, no, not that. <laughs> but my favorite thing was once uh, some of the rules started easing up, and we could have in-person shows. If I couldn't make it to one, I would say, "Hey, can I just send you a video and you play it?" And so they would. I would just send them an email with my video, and sometimes I would make like thirty to fifty bucks in tips for my digital shows. Slay. That Amelia Earhart number with the little airplane, and it's so funny, y'all. I, I think it's hilarious, because my husband's in the back, like, with, um, like... Oh, I remember the number. It's so funny! <laughs> and, I, and I also did one that I think is beautiful, where I walked across Birmingham, and I just hit up all the main, um, like, the big sites that you see, and, and I did it to Caroline Rose, um, Feel the Way You Want. I don't know if you know that song. It's super alt uh, to me. Um, but... Flapjack said it's by Britney Spears. It's, it's really, really odd. <laughs> oh my god! But no, and we got like got like stopped by police, and I was like, "You can't discriminate against me for being a drag queen," you know. Um, but yeah, I feel like I kind of lost my train of thought. But I feel like I feel like that that was the big takeaway for me. It required you to learn how to be engaging, not just at like this one point in your number and you can fill the rest with taking money. It's like, you have to know, okay, for the first 10 seconds, I'm doing this. The next 15 seconds, I'm doing this. The next 30 seconds, I'm doing this. Yeah, you really, like, it required choreography, honestly. Uh-huh. Like, I, you really had to think about every single step. I did a, a digital number where I did the fitness gram pacer test. Um, and like, it was like a full, <laughs> oh, like, that just clicked. <laughs> <laughs> like you just uh, it was like a full five and a half minute, num- like fully green screened number. Um, I was like, I like exclu- almost exclusively used green screen shit for like all of my digital videos because I could just like bounce myself around wherever the fuck I wanted. Yeah. Um, but like coming out of the pandemic and going into in-person shows, I was like, okay. <laughs> now I like I there's a very clear precedent. Like I won awards at like the digital the Philly the Philly Digital Nightlife Awards. I won um, best editing and breakthrough artist of the year. So I was like, okay, well, I'm the breakthrough artist of the year, and now I have to go and do these in-person gigs. How can I translate the level of production that I brought in my digital numbers to in-person performances? And it kind of forced me to really think more theatrically and uh, and more, like, nuanced, like, start to finish, like, beat by beat by beat 
of like what are my numbers going to look like so that I can so that I don't like the, the quality of my work doesn't you know degrade See, over time and what you just described like when it comes to when I got on Camp Wanakiki I the first thing I thought was like I just started doing drag and it was mostly online. Yeah. Am I ready for this? And I wasn't, you know, like <laughs> I really wasn't, but it was the opportunity that was presented to me at the time. And I think that it, I think it really showed when I was there. It's like, this girl knows how to be like, okay, here's a 10 second clip. Did you like it? Can I see it? Okay. okay. Let's change this, you know? And, but, and, and I think that is why we talked about, obviously I want to go back for all stars, really try to make that happen. But like, I, I think that's why I have that drive. Cause I feel like a lot has changed for me then. Like I've learned a lot more how to, translate that and i feel like it's evident for you too you know because you had that that additional year Mm -hmm. you know to to really practice that and i mean look at what the impact you had that's amazing but i'm afraid it is time for our next segment which is flops of the week oh lord have mercy this is each of our chance to give a 60 second uninterrupted rant about something in this world that deserves to be flopped and i say the pettier the bettier. Okay. All right. Who wants to go first? Fawn. Do you have something sure. to share with the class? I always am ready to bid. <laughs> yeah. Fawn's like, you want me to complain? Okay. <laughs> Are you ready? In three, two, one. My flop of the week is people who say, this person needs no introduction, <laughs> and then proceeds to give a five-minute introduction. Let's if, get this roast cooking. If, if somebody doesn't need an introduction, just call them on. You don't have to tell us that they don't need an introduction, or you don't have to be like, this person needs no introduction, but here's their five pageant titles the competition they won, their social security number, (laughs) their mother's maiden name, their credit card pin. The street they grew up on. The street they grew up on. Their dead dog's name. Right. It is a lot, Robin. Sometimes these introductions are wild. And I'm (laughs) honestly here for a long introduction. But when you say the person needs no introduction, it's a little redundant when you then introduce them. Because what is the point? Honestly, I think it would be so kind if somebody said, this person needs no introduction, and then the music starts. Right in front of our salad? <laughs> and that is why... That was artistry. It was, yeah. And oh, that, my God. And that is why when someone needs no introduction, but you get an introduction, that's Fawn's flop of the week. I think it would be so... Like, I would live if somebody said, this person needs no introduction, walks on We have the chance. And the track starts, bitch, yes. (laughs) Family-friendly show tomorrow. We could do it. Do that for me, please. Although the children might be confused. Who knows? Uh, We can do it for the second set. (laughs) The second set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Flap. What's your flop of the week? It's time for me. Um, Let me get the timer. Let's hope I actually pay attention this time, because I'm so bad about paying attention to the timer. There we go. (laughs) All right, I think I think I know what I'm gonna say. Ooh. Let's see. Are you ready? I'm. Yeah. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Positive. I'm ready, Betty. All righty. Three, two, one, go. Do you want to look like a fucking freshman? No, you don't. You want to look like someone who knows how to move your way around a city. And Sucking dick and cock. That is why my flop of the week is you don't need to run across the sidewalk, okay? You can walk. Just save yourself a little bit of stress. You ain't got to bust it. This is not a marathon. This is not the Olympics. You're not going to win a gold medal for getting across first. You can walk. Take your time. Now, do not 
cross the road when there is traffic on coming because I will hit you. On uh, coming? <laughs> I do not give a damn that you're a pedestrian. I, I, I will knock you right out. I'll get the gold and be the first one to take you out. But please, right. don't run. <laughs> we see all your stuff. You're going to drop things. It, it, you don't need to rush. It's going to be okay. Oh there is God. absolutely no problem with just taking your time as you're duck walking across the street. Second. And another thing, just watch the traffic lights. I'm, I'm out of ideas. And that's why you don't need to run across this, the crosswalk. Is my flop. Of the week. That flop of the tr- week was truly. <laughs> uh, you had a unique button the whole time? <laughs> Damn right. I don't know. Have y'all seen that? Like when people are like, let me Naruto run across this okay. crosswalk. Like, I, <laughs> I don't trust drivers, which is why I run across the street. And here's no, the thing. You went to UAB. I'm, you should know better. I'm from fucking Philly. We cross whenever the fuck we want to. We don't look at the traffic lights. I look to the left and I look to the right. And if there aren't cars coming, I'm fucking walking. And if there is a car coming, but they're far away, and then they start speeding up once they see me start uh, crossing the street, me. I was like, "This isn't a challenge, okay?" But I am gonna, I'm gonna fucking run. If you, <laughs> if you are threatening to fucking bear, like you know barrel over me, and I'm like, gonna run I, across the street. I'm talking I will about. Say too, like I also. <laughs> Saw many a people get hit by a car crossing the street in Bessemer, which is like right near where I grew up. Fair. So like, I'm talking, talking going to specifically about people, like, like the light is green it, for them and yes, they're running it's across like the, the street. Ha- they waited for the hand to turn, like for, to hand to turn to like oh, the white. I just mean person. when I'm jaywalking, I am no, going to yeah, run. Yeah, I have it's no issue with that. Exclusively, literally, literally, when you're crossing the road, you can walk. Like that's okay. You ain't gotta like sprint to get across. You know, like it's look, just it's main fine. character syndrome. Great that's what it is. So. Yeah, because you know, there's a lot of people who end up here who have never seen a crosswalk before, and they think they have to like, <gasps> like to get across the road, and they don't. Um, all right, Avery, are you ready? You get I'm the gist. So fucking ready. All right, well, your timer begins in three, two, one. My flop of the week is pillow princesses, and I'm gonna <gasps> tell you all about why. Because I'm a kinky fucking bitch, okay? <laughs> like I love to beat the fuck out of someone and get the fuck beaten out of me in return. I'm a switch, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I've I've hooked up with people who are exclusively doms or exclusively subs, but like even then. You're gonna experiment a little bit. Like we gotta play the field a little bit. These bitches who are like, I only sub, but also like you would want a top coat, girl. Like it's like I'm gonna lay down and you just kind of like I don't know, just like do whatever you want to me. I was like, for, you need to have some thirty initiative. seconds. Like where are the balls? Where's the gall? Also, whatever happened to fun? Can we <laughs> can we have fun? What, like are we not allowed to have a joyous sex occasion? Exactly. It's ridiculous. Cause like I I can dom people. I can beat the shit out of you. <laughs> Tell me what you want. Like, have a little bit of initiative. Girl, like, what does it mean? Because you are sitting there and you're like, just do whatever you do. Five just, seconds. like, do whatever you do. And, like, I am no, I don't have time to fucking play guessing games. This isn't guess who. And that's why Pillow Princesses are my flop of the week. Loser. Truly. Oh, my God. Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I'm definitely not a Pillow Princess. I would never. Okay. Are you a fawn? Are you a pillow princess? We, we, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I am also a kinky bitch and that I have done quite a few things that are very opposite of a pillow princess. Thank so. you. I'm just looking for a little initiative. Yeah. I, I hooked up with someone in Seattle who literally was like, who like hadn't done kink before, I guess, and was like, I don't know, do whatever you do during a hookup. And like, I want to sub. And then I was like, okay. And then I started to like dom and then he would immediately start doming me back. And I was like, you don't want to sub. Oh, it's a brat. No, it wasn't even that. It was, you don't want to sub. 
Like you, uh, you actively stop me when I try. Like right. Okay, I think that is kind of my issue because I, I'm a control freak. You know, mm-hmm. so like when really, it, yeah, you wouldn't. Say, I had no idea. You never know. Um, <laughs> but hey, I mean, look, I can, I can do a lot. But the thing is, when I get into the bedroom, I'm like, okay, this is your chance. Like, go for it. And if they don't, the second I sense that they don't know what they're doing as a dom, I feel like it flips, and I want to be like, fucking. Act like dom me, you know. Tell t- tell me that you're gonna choke me. Choke Power me. Bottle. For me, it's more of a like, I will let you dom me, but I'm gonna tell you the ways that you like the ways that I feel comfortable with you doing yeah. it right mm, now. That's different. Like, I feel like that's normal, right? Thing communication yeah. during sex. What a crazy concept, right? Ridiculous. And I, I, will I have s- to talk about this. <laughs> and I will say, like, as somebody that like is verse sometimes like whenever i've been topping i don't care if like you as a bottom are just laying there as long as you are using your hole properly like it is a muscle flex it (laughs) oh wait you wait flex it we're gonna take a break Fall is just around the corner, and one of the best ways to celebrate is at ConjureFest. At ConjureFest, you'll find live music, drag, tarot readings, palm readers, pole dancers, fire breathers, belly dancers, great food, and much, much more. So mark your calendar for September 23rd, 2023 for ConjureFest 2023. Last year, I got to perform at ConjureFest in drag and also with the Rocky Horror cast, and we had a blast. People were up there dancing with us during our number. It was so fun. The crowd was just really excited to be around and just to celebrate fall and the spooky season that's upon us. So for more information, visit ContrafestBham.com. Bitch, it's time for the fucking news, okay? <laughs> I thought this was the Camp on a Kiki Talent Show. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, please don't bring that in. Put on your uh, cocktail dresses, ladies. Your <laughs> ill-fitting cocktail dresses. <laughs> Made by Betty Sugarmaker. Um, well, we got to talk about Lizzo. That's. I feel like that's the biggest news story, right? How much do you know? Um, I've, like, read a couple of articles. Okay. I, like, read through the full, like, like... Um, it got posted by Pop Crave and I like read through as much of the article yeah. as I could before I was like, this is a million years long. But I like got the, I read through pretty it's just much all there's of it. there's so much. There's a lot of content It's like, here. it's not just like one thing. It's like, oh, well here's the shit sandwich. Like yeah. everything. And, as, and of course the fucking three skinny bitches are about to talk about this. But like, um, oh, yeah. So basically, so you think I'm skinny? <laughs> yes. Um, so what happened was, <laughs> Um, three of Lizzo's former backup dancers are currently suing uh, Lizzo for hostile, a hostile work environment and sexual harassment, um, claiming that Lizzo... And uh, religious discrimination, I think is... Oh, similar. I didn't yeah, see that one. Too. Okay, I saw that um, there were claims that Lizzo was body shaming the performers, uh, the like backup dancers... Um, and that her it was choreographer, like gaining weight, right? Um, I believe so. Yes, it was, and and that her chore- it was more so. I believe her choreographer captain, was was um, the perpetrator of that because Lizzo and her choreographer are both being sued. Uh, Lizzo is being mm, the, the ones uh, coming tr- at Lizzo are more so for sexual harassment. They were at a strip club in Amsterdam, and Lizzo was really severely pressuring 
uh, her backup dancers to inappropriately touch the strippers and like one had like a banana in her pussy and someone was, and Lizzo was like forcing basically someone to like eat the banana out of the stripper's pussy and like oh. just very, yeah, hostile work environment, sexual harassment, like those main allegations yeah. against Lizzo and her choreographer who I think was the one that made the um, weight gain comments. Yes, I think also Big Girl um, touring group or whatever, the management company. Oh, yeah, here, yeah, here yeah, comes yeah. the Big also, Girls. I think um, is also in it as well, and some of that has come from basically the management of that is skinny white European men. Mm. <sighs> well, I, I also wanted to touch on the religious allegations, the um, because the a discrimination piece of it. Because if from what I read about it, from what I understand, I believe it was the choreographer who yeah. mm-hmm. was um, playing a big role in that, um, and had been reprimanded, reprimanded, but not like. Fired. Yeah. Um, so this sucks. I like Lizzo. I um, really fell in love with her back in 2019, right before I started doing drag when I lived in Austin. Like uh, I from the song Boys and Juice when that came out. Like it was like my anthem that summer. Like that whole album. And I, I just was. It was always on repeat. You know. Mm-hmm. And I I'm remember, just truly brokenhearted by this. Yeah, because I was Lizzo fan, fan, Lizzo fan from like the coconut oil EP. Oh, bitch. Mm. Yeah. So, it was one of those things like finding out this, it's just like... It just feels like whiplash yeah. because like Lizzo's entire artistic statement is about body positivity and like she's very anti-slut shaming. Like she is right. very sexually open in a lot of her music and she's also very like she is very proud of her size and about the size of her backup dancers. And she is exclusively booking plus size backup dancers for her concerts and her music videos. So like to hear that there are allegations of sexual harassment in the workplace and body shaming coming from Lizzo or anyone surrounding her makes no sense at all because it's just so antithetical to literally everything that Lizzo, the artistic entity stands for. I don't know what, I don't know if it's what Lizzo, the person stands for obviously, but like Lizzo, the artistic entity that we, the public have gotten to know is the absolute opposite of everything that this lawsuit is claiming, which is why I think it's so hard for people to believe. But like, also why I think Lizzo's coming under such, such scrutiny because it feels like every single thing that she had been preaching the past, what, four years now yeah. has felt like a lie now yeah. that these things are coming out and that there's, there are multiple people, like a lot of other people who are involved with Lizzo's production crew, like supporting this lawsuit. Like there, yeah. it's, it doesn't feel like hearsay. Because even the lady who had been hired to do the documentary, film the documentary, and then like she's come out with some statements. Oh my god! Ugh. Well, I, I mean, I know that Lizzo has denied these allegations in a statement on Instagram. Got to got to love a notes app apology. Um, Can I read this? Sure. Can I read this out loud for the class? Because I didn't know that she Absolutely. made it a statement. It's about four it's pages long. <clears throat> okay. Well, we girl. can trade off if we need to. No, I can do it. I'm I'm, I'm an audio book. Oh, slay. You I'm going to do it in the April. <laughs> Please do it in the April. last few days. <laughs> Her education Wait. is better than the Alabama education. I can't. This is too serious to do the April boys, but I want to so bad. Can you okay. imagine? <laughs> <laughs> These last few days have been gut-wrenchingly difficult and overwhelmingly disappointing. My work ethic, morals, and respectfulness have been questioned. My character has been criticized. 
Usually, I choose not to respond to false allegations, but these are as unbelievable as they sound and too outrageous to not be addressed. These sensationalized stories are coming from former employees who have already publicly admitted that they were told their behavior on tour was inappropriate and unprofessional. As an artist, I have always been very passionate about what I do. I take my music and my performances seriously because at the end of the day, I only want to put out the best art that represents me and my fans. With passion comes hard work and high standards. Sometimes I have to make hard decisions, but it's never my intention to make anyone feel uncomfortable or like they aren't valued as an important part of the team. I am not here to be looked at as a victim, but I also know that I am not the villain that people in the media have portrayed me to be these last few days. I am very open with my sexuality and expressing myself, but I cannot accept or allow people to use that openness to make me out to be something I am not. There is nothing I take more seriously than the respect we deserve as women in the world. I know what it feels like to be body shamed on a daily basis and would absolutely never criticize or terminate an employee because of their weight. I'm hurt, but I will not let the good work I've done in the world be overshadowed by this. I want to thank everyone who has reached out in support to lift me up during this difficult time. This is interesting to me because it it doesn't, I don't feel like this directly addresses the specifics of the allegations. And I... I I wonder if she is not able to, oh, like, uh, you know, legally, like yeah. when it's an ongoing legal case. Like, well, I get girl, that. get on YouTube, bust out that fucking ukulele, ukulele. and tell us about the specifics. If Miranda like, Sings can do it, why not you, Lizzo? Do it on your flute. Okay. You're very talented. The Toxic Stripper Club. <laughs> like, come on. The, the, there, there's a lot of things that are touched on, but to me, it, a lot of this comes back to like intention versus impact. Because yeah. there's parts of this that I'm like, I do not believe that Lizzo did this. Like, I, I really, do, I cannot fathom it. But the when it comes to like the sexual harassment stuff, it's like I could see like working in nightlife how situations can get out of hand, and your intention may be, oh, we're just having fun, we're all team building, we're. It's a, it seems to be an intent versus impact kind yeah. of thing. Also, not to mention they're at a strip club in Amsterdam, so she was probably drunk or high. So, mm-hmm. like, her right. memory of the night might also be skewed. Um, and from what I'm pretty sure that the sexual, like, the the fat shaming allegations are not against Lizzo. They yeah. are against her choreographer. Yeah. But, like... Articles are sensationalizing it to say that Lizzo was the one that made those fatphobic comments and not her choreographer. When articles that go in depth to say that the person that was fat shaming the backup dancers was not Lizzo, it was her choreographer. So like in that sense, I do agree that like I don't think Lizzo is the type of person to fat shame anybody because right. that is the antithesis of, of what she represents. I do believe the sexual harassment allegations because multiple people have come forward saying mm. that it has that they were witness to it happening. Yeah. Um, and when that many people come forward and say, I was there, I saw this happen, this is real, either she's lying or 27 people have a big old group chat where they are working together to defame Lizzo for no reason. Mm. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, I also, I, I don't know, just any time a celebrity gives us a fucking iOS press release, it just does not. Yeah, it seems very it strange. Like, it just doesn't make you, the entertainer, look good. And then it, it also doesn't look good when your um, undergarment line puts a whole sale on the entire website. No, you're joking. Yiddy put a, like, a, either 40 or 60% off sale on the entire website. Well, hold on, hold on. Is that is that? Wait, that's her underwear line. Yes. 
Uh, this isn't like a James Charles Morphe Palace. It's like no, clearance. No, 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 no. Like, that she owns that brand. She owns that uh, line. It's she under made Fabletics, that line, but it's hers. Yeah, she she owns that. So that's that's. It's not, ooh, that's not looking good. Uh, a, no. Which, granted, since it is under Fabletics, that could be a choice that Fabletics made. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. But it still is not a good look. How does this impact us, like as drag entertainers? Like, I, I mean, Lizzo's very commonly performed. I think it it brings into question what we represent versus mm-hmm. how we behave, like how we present ourselves publicly versus how we present ourselves privately, is very very important, um, especially in nightlife settings. And I'm I don't want to like talk about it like I know. 100% for a fact that everyone was intoxicated and that the, the memories are hazy, but like you're at a strip club in Amsterdam, girl. Yeah. You, like I doubt that everyone was sober dressed like fucking Sarah plain and tall. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so like I, I think it, 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 for me, it's, it's a intent versus impact. Um, how we present publicly, what we stand for publicly versus how we present ourselves privately. And the, age-old conversation in nightlife about, like, uh, substances and how they can affect behavior. Right. Yeah. It, like, especially when you're surrounded by people who you work with. I mean, I think people often forget that, like, I mean, I consider the people that we perform with to be our coworkers, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, while I'm willing to drink maybe two or three drinks at a show, like, I'm not going to get shit-faced because, like, I'm with my coworkers. Right. You know what I mean? So... Uh, God, I'm just, I'm just so heartbroken and disappointed over this. Hey everyone, it's Flapjack from the future with a show note. So shortly after we recorded this episode, Coco Jim Holiday, who was on season two of Camp Wanakiki, released an episode on her podcast, A Gem of a Secret Podcast. That's J-E-M of a Secret Podcast. Um, she released an episode called In This Household, We Do Not Cancel Black Women, The Lizzo Debate. And I just thought it added a really interesting additional perspective that uh, Avery, Fawn, and myself didn't quite get to when we were having that conversation. So please go listen to that episode if you would like some additional thoughts and perspectives on the conversation about Lizzo right now. We will put a link to that episode in the show notes for this episode. Now back to the episode. All right, well, we are going to move on to our next news story. It's a really happy segment today. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, we, the recent news of the killing of O'Shea Sibley um, has come out. Um, and if you're not familiar with that, this is a black gay man who was stabbed to death at a New York city gas station um, for dancing, specifically voguing like w- with friends, you know, just having a good time hanging out. And um, it's my understanding that the teen who is alleged to have done this is now in custody uh, the suspect. So yeah, I just think it's a, I don't know. I just felt it was an important thing for us to talk about because it's like, God, why is this shit still happening? <laughs> Even, especially yeah. in New York City. You of got mad at someone places. for being feminine in New York City? Mm-hmm. Girl, every of gay person places. on planet Earth lives in New York. You go, you go somewhere else. Exactly. Like, what are, why are you getting pressed that someone, someone dared to vogue in New York? Are you going to kick a pigeon next? Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> Oh, not the pigeon. That story baffles me that like someone got so upset that uh, a black gay man was acting effeminate 
in New, New York, York City. City. Like, which to me is like, or maybe not currently, but like used to be like a gay capital. Like, yeah. The thing to me that like, it's a stabbing, you know, it, it's not like gun violence, you know, like that, that, like that is a very different type of crime that is yeah. like extraordinary, like really intentional yeah. and just horrible. So I didn't um, even think about that. Cause that, yeah, it feels it's not like I don't it's know like that you, personal is the right word, but it no. I mean, you like, are up no close personal on is this the right person. word. It's, it's more right. intimate, yeah. Because you can just walk in and fucking shoot whoever you want, but like, because no one else. I, I I was anyone else like injured or you know I'm not sure. But I, I know that yeah. I know he passed away. That's the only thing I know. If because um, if if O'Shea was the only person to be harmed in this incident, it means that. He the the killer was so overwhelmed with rage that they took time to like wrestle this person down and kill them. Mm-hmm. Like it, you can't just stab someone once and be like, "Did it?" Moving on. And then on. they also got away. Like, and how and the had to fuck be, did that happen? I mean, how did you get away in there, New York right? City? Like, I I mean, they're now in custody, but how did you get away from that situ- that scene? I I, ugh, um, I don't know. I think that to me, what I'm kind of reading from this is just this really changing view of how people are viewing queer folks. And it has, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that news outlets are so commonly calling us pedophiles and groomers and shit. Yeah. And I, I think someone saw this who had been brainwashed by that media and decided to take it out on this person. So yeah. Um, scary world we live in, you know, <laughs> especially right now, especially like in a city where I would feel very safe to be doing stuff mm-hmm. like that, to be like presenting more femininely to like, let my guard down a bit. It's, it, it is a, an unfortunate reminder that even in spaces where you may feel safe, it does not always mean that you are 100% safe. Um, and like, this is a call to action for community. I think like, yep. We need to, I don't know. I feel like in the 60s when trans women of color were leading the protests, they were not afraid to become violent in defense of themselves and Mm. their community. And I feel like violence is something that is very looked like frowned upon because like people have really latched on to when they go low, we go high. We can't go high because when we go high, this shit happens. Exactly. Like, it is not violence if we are defending ourselves and that we are yeah, legally protected yeah. to be, become violent if someone is behaving violently towards us first. We cannot create, like, do you think that Republican lawmakers are going to change their mind because we, like, gathered outside of a government building, held hands? And said, "Pretty please." No, they're gonna. They're going to listen to us because we threw a fucking brick through their window and fucked their wives. Like we have to start. Do we have to start like fucking their wives? Exactly. We have to like. <laughs> we have to cause discomfort, and we have to disrupt. Yeah, we have to disrupt the comfort of the people oppressing us, so that they can realize the humanity of the people that they are actively oppressing, and it sucks that stuff like this has to happen for calls to action like this to be made instead of just the general understanding of like 
we need to be able to defend ourselves and we need to stop looking down on queer people having to get violent to stay alive because like people can be like, Oh, but like the perception of queer people has changed so much. Has it? Has it? Has it? Yeah. Cause like when, when Matthew Shepard was murdered and, and, and like there was full, full public outrage about it and now shit like this happens a lot more often and we don't get a Laramie project every yeah. single time someone queer dies. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, 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 well, the, the, cause the thing that it scares me, I don't know. I just can't leave the, the stabbing thing, the piece of it. The thing that I, I'm always thinking about is gun violence. You know, yeah. it's like have an escape plan. How do you protect yourself against that? But <laughs> yeah, like when something is this passionate and it happened like at a gas station, Everyone, all walks of life have to go there. So, no, I, I think you're, I, I think you're right in a lot of ways. Like, we, there has to be discomfort in order for these conversations to come back, and we got to get back to a, we got to get to a place where people know that they're not. There's no reason to be scared of queer folks, you know, yeah. just for existing. Like, what the fuck? And it sounds counterintuitive. It's like we, we don't, we can't be afraid to become violent for people to realize that we're not a threat. <laughs> but like. Kinda like mm-hmm. because I think what what the 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 string that connects that what I was I heard, I touched on a little bit was like it, we need to prove by any means necessary that we are human beings and that you're not just like like this stabbing was not of a concept like the this is a real human person that died and not like oh vogue is under attack and ballroom mm-hmm. is under attack and black queer people are under attack a human being died died mm-hmm. and we need to be like you killed a human being and people and human beings that have this thing in common keep this keeps happening to us and we need to make sure that this stops fucking happening to us or that if it does happen that like justice is served very swiftly and that we don't have to fight for people to even know that this occurred. That's the crazy thing. Cause I heard about this through fucking Instagram. Why didn't I hear about this from the news? Mm. Why did I hear about this through an Instagram story that my friend posted? Ugh. like, yeah. And that's, yeah, no, never what you want to see. Yeah. Well, I, for our final news story, um, I think we have something that's a little bit more positive. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. And I, I mean, cause like, like when it comes to making change, one yes. of the best ways you can do that is to run for office. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Vaughn, you take this one. We have Sylvia Swain, a resident of Highland Park, is running for House Representative uh, in District 55. She is going to be a Democratic candidate. And also... And this is, is someone from the state of Alabama. From oh, the state word. of Alabama. She is going to be... Um, the very first openly transgender woman to run for state office. We should get her on the podcast. Yeah. Wait, that's so good. Yeah, we should do that. You should review the finale with her. Yeah, <laughs> please, <laughs> Sylvia Swain. I know you've been following Camp Wanakiki. Okay, uh, <laughs> what if Sylvia Swain was a huge fan? Of huge Camp fan. She, <laughs> she was like, "No, I gag when Avery said." <laughs> <laughs> she has garnered support from Patricia Todd, who was our first lesbian representative mm. in the state. Um, Openly, she yeah. Um, she's 26, and if you are looking to vote for her in the primaries, you can vote. Good for her. You can vote for her September 26 in the primary elections. That's right around the corner. September oh 26. Yeah. yeah. 
Holy shit. Oh my God. Yeah, we should definitely get her on. Yeah. So, Make sure you go out to vote. Well, since the news is often so sad um, and, and horrible to listen to, but we got to talk about it and be aware, we like to end every episode with a fawn of the week. And this is just a positive thing that we get to highlight um, that's either going on in our lives, maybe an entertainer that we really love, um, that, we deserves, that we think deserves to be highlighted. So fawns of the week, anyone? I gotta think about this. What's good stuff that's happened in my life? <laughs> I know I I can I can go ahead and go. My yeah. mine is I have this friend group that's um, kind of separate from the rest of my life. They're uh, through my husband's plant friends, and we call them like our our clock tower game nights, and we play this game, um, and I literally can't even remember the name but it's so fun we we it's kind of like uh you know mafia like where someone's like the killer yeah but it's like this really complicated board game like we have this guy who's the storyteller it's like D and one night love and that. i love it and you have to like you get this character or, or your card and you can't tell anyone who you are unless you like trust them you have to it's like a social game it's like survivor you know and so i just always really enjoy that group they've come out and supported a lot of drag shows and i'm just really thankful to have them in my life because sometimes when like life is getting me down. We just have these random clock tower nights. Life like, gets <laughs> <you> down. <laughs> yeah. and it's like once every other quarter and we just had one. It's so fun. So shout out to all the clock tower folks. That's awesome. Um, my fun of the week. <laughs> yeah. So thanks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. My <laughs> so, um, I always sound so dry and shady when I don't even mean it. Um, my fun of the week. <laughs> Is going to be. I always struggle with this part. I like think of three <laughs> while we're recording, nice. and then I don't write them down, and then we get to the end, and I'm like, oh, right. Um, my fun of the week is going to go to up and coming entertainer Buck Wild. <gasps> yeah. Um, up and co- um, brand new drag king has has been out supporting drag. Um, really has. He's. I know he's made a few bracelets for a few of the entertainers with our names on them that are really cute. Um, and like I've been chatting with him a little bit, helping him out, like giving him advice for like what it's like to perform, how to perform a number, and it's just like been nice having that like wholesome interaction. Yeah, with drag. They are very sweet. I've met them out of drag, yeah. and I am so sad that I've not actually got to see them perform yet. So I, I hope we they will be at that, the, the next Oops All Kings and at the next DIY. Oh, Ooh. fun! I love it. All right, Avery. I think my fun of the week is also going to go out to uh, another drag entertainer, uh, all the way from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, future winner of Camp on a Kiki Bitch, <gasps> Wet Betty. Um, oh. she is a drag clown, like mm. it's straight up like clown, like takes inspiration from like circus clowns and like the art form of clowning. And it like, oh, this is absolutely amazing. We competed against each other on uh, a local bar competition called Snatcherella 3000 All Stars. And she ended up winning <laughs> the entire fucking season. Um, she is a huge inspiration to me. Like she is an entertainer that made me feel seen and understood. Um, <laughs> because, like, I was... I'm, I'm very accepted in Philly's native community, but there I, I didn't see other people doing drag the way that I was until Wet Betty hit the scene. And, like, we really, really understand each other. And, like, she is my go-to whenever I'm having any artistic questions of any kind. 
and she really wants to be on Camp Wanakiki, and I really want her on Camp Wanakiki because she is going to absolutely fucking sweep and win. Yeah, and, come and on, Sugar Baker, let's make it happen. Girl, like, ooh, she's also a season seven hopeful. So that's my oh. fun of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I love to hear it. Well, thanks everyone again for listening to another episode of Flapping and Fawning. for listening to Flapping and Fawning. Music by Elliot Nass. Promotional art by Danny Lee. Hosts are Flapjack. Oh, hey, that's me. And I'm Fawn. You can follow me on Instagram at fawn.fawn.fawn. And you can follow me over at Instagram as well. And pretty much any other social media platform at flapjquellen, F-L-A-P-J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E. Connect with us on social media on Instagram at Flapping and Fawning Pod and on Twitter at flap and fawn pod oh and make sure you check out the links in our bio to buy some merch you can also connect with us via gmail at flapping and fawning pod at gmail.com see you next time bye Ta-ta.